and welcome to Ipsa Dixit, a podcast on legal scholarship. I'm your host, Brian O'Fry, Spears Gilbert Associate Professor of Law at the University of Kentucky College of Law. My guests are Judge Stephen Dillard of the Court of Appeals of Georgia and Chief Justice Bridget McCormick of the Michigan Supreme Court. We will discuss the benefits of judges engaging with the public on social media, especially in this current moment. So welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Right. I'm so excited. Um, And just FYI, you two will be the very first judges that I've had on the podcast. So this is a pretty epic moment for me. (laughs) Excellent. It's great to be here. So I was wondering if we could start with each of you just telling listeners a little bit about yourselves, uh, and in particular, sort of when and why you decided to become judges. And maybe we could like start with Bridget and then and then Stephen. Sure. Thank you um, again for having us. And thanks for um, this conversation, which will be a fun one. I like any opportunity I have to interact with my friend, uh, Judge Steve Dillard, who's a, a wonderful jurist and a wonderful person. So this is really fun for me. Um, I have been on the Michigan Supreme Court since January 2013. I was elected in November 2012. Judges in judges and justices in Michigan are elected. Uh, we run statewide. Um, and I was selected by my colleagues to be the chief justice just last year. So I've been the chief justice only for about 14 months. Um, I was on the faculty at the University of Michigan until my election, which is not a typical path to an appellate court, um, although there's a little more and more of it in recent years, but for for some time it wasn't that typical. Um, And honestly, I think I decided to run for the open seat because um, I had a clinical practice. I taught a lot of clinical classes at the University of Michigan Law School, and I had a number of um, appellate cases, including appellate cases in that court. There was an open seat. Felt like I had a very good relationship with the justices on the court and thought I had something to contribute. It's sort of like an old-fashioned, maybe naive, reason for running for office. (laughs) Um, I I was a first-time political candidate um, and thought 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 I might have something to to offer um, in in large part because of my somewhat different background than some of the other members of the court. I actually happen to believe that a multi-member court um, functions uh, best when people with diverse backgrounds and even diverse points of view are sitting around a table trying to figure out hard questions. I could go on and on, but I think that's probably a good intro. Well, well, Brian, it's great to be here. And as uh, the chief said, it's always um, it's always a pleasure and an honor to to speak with her. We've 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 been on the road together and and done some appearances on this topic. And it's, like I said, it's it's just great to be able to to spend time with talking with you and also my friend from Michigan. Um, I was appointed. I had a little bit of a different route. I was appointed by Governor, uh, currently Secretary Sonny Perdue, then Governor Perdue toward the tail end of his second term as governor of Georgia um, in November of 2010. Um, Mine, too, was a little bit unusual. I was appointed out of private practice, typically in Georgia, up to that point, prior to Governor Perdue's appellate appointments. He had four appointments in eight years. Um, Most of the appointments to the appellate courts were trial judges. So there was a shift away from that 
Um, I was the uh, chairman of the appellate practice group for my law firm, James Bates, Hope and Spivey. Um, I'd been in practice for about 14 years at that point, and it, it spent a two-year stint after five, my first five years in practice, which was a little unusual. I went back and clerked uh, for Judge Daniel Mannion on the Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals in Chicago, and that was an incredible experience. So after that clerkship, I came back to Macon, Georgia, which is where my wife is originally from, spent seven years with James Bates, helped uh, found and develop the appellate practice group. And so that, that's most of what I did uh, was complex civil litigation. Um, and uh, like I said, I was appointed in 2010. I'm now in my 10th year. Um, I served as the chief judge of the Court of Appeals from um, the end of uh, beginning of July of 2017 until this, um, uh, until the, I guess the end of June in 2019. So I've just, not too long ago, finished my term as, as the Chief Judge of the Court of Appeals. Um, uh, as far as what led me to become a Chief, uh, to, to become a Judge and eventually Chief Judge, um, it's, you know, really, I, I, it all goes back to my mom. Uh, she, I was raised by a single parent, um, single mother. Uh, she was a social worker, and when she wasn't helping others in the Metro public school system in Nashville, Tennessee, my mother was taking me to political events, and, you know, I was licking stamps for candidates and um, going to political memorabilia shows, and so my, my, my home was like a, a little museum, uh, in a sense. My mom had posters up, buttons. Um, she, she believed it was important for citizens to be engaged, whether they held office or not, and that one of the highest uh, virtues and one of the highest things you could do, one of the best and most important things you could do with your life is to give back to the public. And so he instilled from me, in me from a very young age the desire to be a public servant. So, you know, deciding to go to law school pretty early on, I wanted to be a judge if, if that opportunity presented itself. Mm. Well, I, I wonder if each of you could talk a little bit about when you started using social media professionally and and why you made that choice. I mean, specifically sort of like what what platforms did you start using? What platforms are you using now? And, and sort of how do you think about using those uh, social media platforms as a judge? Um, sure. Um, I, I was on, um, Facebook professionally before I was, um, a candidate for office and therefore obviously before I was a judge. Um, but I was on it professionally. My, the, the clinic that I ran at the University of Michigan Law School had a Facebook presence. I ran the Michigan Innocence Clinic and we, um, told stories about our exonerations. Um, and obviously social media was a, uh, inexpensive, uh, you know, free <laughs> way to get those stories um, told. And so we, we were using it um, uh, long before I ran for office. And when I ran for office, um, that's when I started with a Twitter account um, and a Facebook account. I mean, I had a, a, a political Facebook account. Um, and um, then when I was elected, it seemed to make sense to me to continue that presence um, in my official capacity. Um, those accounts, or I actually transferred my Facebook account to an official account and just kept my Twitter account up 
um, and have since added a LinkedIn account and an Instagram account. Um, I have not yet worked on Snapchat or TikTok, um, but maybe it's time. I don't know. Maybe Steve will tell me I have to. <laughs> well, I, I am very similar. I, I had a personal Facebook account and I later on, I want to say maybe a year or so into being a judge, created a Facebook official page. So I have a personal and official. And as far as the personal page goes, I'm, I'm getting close to 5,000, but my policy has always been that I accept a friend request from anybody from the state of Georgia, as long as I don't look at their account and there's something, you know, kind of fishy about it. Just, it doesn't look like a, a spam account. And those are usually pretty easy to spot. Uh, I created the Twitter account uh, shortly after um, my appointment was announced. And um, that's, that's really been where I've done most of um, uh, my social media outreach. Although I've done, I have done some on Facebook, less so on Instagram and LinkedIn. Um, I, I, I'm, the chief is, is getting me to use LinkedIn a little bit more. I've, I've used it more as a Rolodex, um, you know, for the past few years. Uh, and then TikTok and uh, Snapchat, I'm on basically to monitor my children uh, as a parent. I don't really post anything on those, but, you know, occasionally I have seen some creative uh, uses uh, and informational educational uses of, of TikTok or, or um, Snapchat. So I, I don't rule those out, but, you know, there's only so much time in the day and only so much you can do. Twitter is probably my preferred platform, although I have to say it, it seems to be getting a, a little bit, it, it, it's become, a, I've noticed it becoming a lot more toxic just in the last six months, even more so than normal. Um, and so that's that's unfortunate. When Facebook becomes kind of the less toxic of the two, that's to me an interesting development. Well, so in relation to that, I wonder if the both of you could sort of reflect on how you kind of actually use social media platforms and maybe different platforms, whether you take a different approach depending on the platform and sort of what you think of as sort of being best practices and social media usage, usage specifically for judges and sort of like how you kind of came to sort of think about your presence in that space. Sure. Um, and I don't know that, you know, we're, we, we, we know better than anybody else, but we can tell you how we do it. Um, and I think we do it pretty similarly. Um, it's, it, for, it, in a big state like Michigan with uh, lots of people, some of whom live, you know, 10 and 12 and 14 hours away, it's a great uh, way to tell the public what the court is up to. Um, and I mean by that, um, literally, you know, sending out links to our uh, live stream of our oral arguments so people can watch them from anywhere they want in the state. Um, sending out uh, orders and opinions, orders of note, I guess we don't send out every denial order. That would be a, that would be a, someone would turn us off for spam if we did that. But, um, but op opinions and orders of note, um, as well as the administrative work the court is doing, um, the, the administrative rule changes, as well as some of the larger sort of um, work we are engaged in to improve the service to the public in our branch. Um, I do not, on my um, Facebook page, um, uh, really interact much with people. It's more of a place where I put information out there. 
Um, and that's a little less true sometimes on Twitter. There'll be a little more back and forth on Twitter. Um, and um, I would say LinkedIn for me is a little bit more like Facebook. It's a place to get information out to the public about what the court is doing and, and um, the information that I, I believe the public is entitled to. So it's a, it's a vehicle mostly. Yeah, I think my philosophy and the reason for me doing it is when, when I was a young lawyer coming up, judges were kind of, you know, up on high, right? We didn't, we didn't really get to interact with them much, uh, except for maybe at a chamber of commerce or a bar meeting, you know, every, or a CLE. Occasionally you would get to see judges and there was always this kind of formality, even in less formal settings. And one of the things I, I thought about when I became a judge is I, I didn't want to do that. I wanted to be more accessible and I wanted to have my role view. I, I, I never was comfortable with the idea of judges being kind of up here and the rest of us being, you know, kind of down below looking up at judges. Judges are at, at, at the core, and I point this out in the Duke article I wrote and also in an article I'm writing right now with Chief is, you know, judges are public servants. We serve the people. And so for me, the philosophy behind my social media accounts is, is to be accessible to the people that I serve. Um, you know, one of the things about being elected is, you know, you, we can debate the pros and the cons of elected judges, and, and, and there are pros and cons to it. But one of the, the pros is that we're directly accountable to the people. And so I like um, the idea of having greater accessibility, being able to use that accessibility to mentor young lawyers and law students and people who are interested in the law or just even citizens. Uh, I think that kind of accessibility and transparency uh, is important. And I think rather than undermining confidence in the judiciary, I think it increases and enhances confidence in the judiciary to have, if you are doing things with that, with your social media accounts, that are best practices, providing information, um, educating, um, you know, encouraging civics education, civility, um, providing uh, information about your court. If you're doing things like that, and also showing a human side, I, I think those are all good things. And that's the general philosophy behind my accounts. And, this, and there's a lot of things that we, we you know, uh, rightfully stay away from. I mean, all of the, for example, you know, anything that judicial canons tell us we can't do in person, we don't do it wow. online either, obviously. <laughs> it's sort of an easy one. Um, but we also probably, I, I think Steve and I both stay away from some of the more controversial topics that, that, uh, that, that might be trending on social media. But having said that, we both um, engage you know, personally on some other topics that are pretty important to the branch, like transparency, like the public having access to watching oral arguments online, like civility. Um, and and, and it's, it's, in a way, I think, nice for people to be able to see judges um, engaging on those topics with lawyers um, and members of the public. Um, so I, I have to agree with Steve, I think it enhances our, 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 when done well, it, it enhances um, the, ju the judiciary. And, and to the extent it doesn't, and to the extent that judges engage in bad behavior on social media, there is 
if, if you want to, you can look at it a couple of ways. One, you can say, well, that's bad. Um, but if they're doing it on social media, they're probably doing it in their courtrooms and in other public appearances. And to a certain extent, shedding light on bad judicial behavior and then having the bar or having, the, you know, the, the, the system address those, uh, those, you know, that sort of behavior or comments. Um, we, we, we've had some judges in Georgia that have had to resign because of that. And, you know, I, I think in, to a certain extent, transparency reveals what it reveals. And, um, you know, what we, what we hope is that collectively judges engaging the people they serve on social media is going to be a net positive. And from what I've seen, at least, um, I, I think increasingly um, that's the case is that people are, are, are getting a lot more out of it. And I, I really haven't seen a lot of um, poor behavior, certainly not on Twitter. Um, so that, that's the hope um, anyway. Mm. Well, I wonder if, if each of you could share an anecdote or two about when you found your use of social media especially productive or interesting or important and and what kind of struck you about that moment i mean that's a good question you know one of the um right now we're in the middle of a you know really unusual time in this country and i don't know what's happening in kentucky or georgia yet but um, our governor issued a stay-at-home order this morning and um, obviously, even before that, we were down to um, pretty essential and emergency functions in the courts throughout the state, and my court is charged with administering the courts throughout the state. So we've been issuing, uh, like many state Supreme Courts, emergency orders to try and keep up with the news, which is coming at us fast, um, and then trying to communicate to not just the bar, but the um, public what what it all means. Um, so I, I feel like I've been on um, Twitter on this very serious topic more than anything lately um, and have received, you know, um, pretty great feedback from people who appreciate that, um, you know, the court's not just releasing its order by putting it up on the webpage, but we're putting it out there every way we can. I should have said, and I think this is true for Steve's court as well, but in addition to my personal, um, and by, I don't mean personal, uh, my, my own accounts, social media accounts, my court has its own social media accounts. So the Michigan Supreme Court also tweets out um, all of the emergency orders we've been issuing, um, as well as a, a joint editorial I wrote with one of my colleagues in one of the Detroit papers this weekend explaining why even in a pandemic, courts have to be open, maybe especially in a pandemic, courts have to be open to handle emergencies because public safety is um, still critical. Um, and it's been through social media that I'm doing most of my communicating about how this is all going to work. Um, in fact, you know, when we, when we finish talking today, I've got to, I, I have the next order to get out there and I got to finish, I got to figure out how to, how to get it out there efficiently and effectively to as many people as possible. And social media is the, is my main tool. No, I agree, and, and I, I picked a bad time to give up social media for Lent um, because of everything that's going on. I have broken that a few times to get out the very information um, that Bridget's talking about, and I think now more than ever, um, it's important for us to use these tools 
um, to, to make sure that we get this information out to as many people as possible. Some folks are, are looking at the court's websites, but others, you know, a lot of people my age and younger use social media almost exclusively to get the news. Um, to, to answer your question about, obviously this moment is, is one example of a meaningful way of using social media, but I would go back to mentoring um, students and young lawyers. That, that was something that I did not foresee when I, when I really started actively engaging um, the people I serve as a judge on social media platforms. I, I did. That was not something I would have guessed would have happened. Would have happened, but it's it's been a, a pleasant surprise um, to be able to to touch that many lives through this platform and and to take a few moments out of my day. Um, I get a lot of messages from folks that are going through the clerkship process and and want to ask questions about that process and ask for advice and and I'm happy to do that. I think when you get in these positions. It's, it's always important to remember where you came from and, and to remember um, uh, being in that position as a law student and not and, and, and kind of yearning to, to be able to talk. To. And it really is amazing when you think about it. I could have never imagined having access to different judges from all over the country, like, you know, uh, from, from Texas to Michigan to Georgia, and to be able to send a message on Twitter or to tweet at a judge and say, hey, I've got my first motion hearing tomorrow. Do you have any tips? And then you can have all these judges and practitioners, this community, this appellate Twitter or judicial Twitter communities come in and provide advice to somebody. It really is an extraordinary thing. Not mm. only that, I mean, another one is um, the, some of the friendships I've made, including this one right here. I, I mean, right. I, I don't know what other how, how I would have met Steve Dillard otherwise, and I'm so glad I did. I mean, I now consider him a, a, a very dear friend. I care about him. I uh, reach out to him for um, advice and I'm better for it. Um, yeah, it's, I, am, it's, I'm, I, I definitely got the better bargain and, and, and <laughs> better <laughs> end of that bargain, I promise you, Brian. <laughs> well, I wonder if you could talk a little bit about some of the reactions you've gotten from members of the public to your social media accounts and maybe even kind of private communications via social media. I mean, I know Judge Tillard, you, you mentioned that and Justice McCormick, you've talked about that a little bit as well, but maybe like just talk a little more specifically about sort of the value that members of the public have expressed to you personally in relation to that kind of engagement. I think they appreciate it. I, I, I mean, it, I think it's been, I mean, my experience has been, especially with younger lawyers and law students and even college students who are thinking about going to law school. Um, when I'm, when I meet them in public, they'll sometimes, you know, they'll come up to me and I may be speaking. They say, I, I don't want to bother you, but I just want to let you know how much I appreciate what you're doing um, on, on these social media platforms and being accessible and, and providing advice mentoring, being willing to mentor, um, you know, young lawyers and, and, and law students. Um, you know, initially, at least, I want to say early on, the first few years, some of my colleagues would kind of give me a hard time about it, and even some of my friends on the Georgia Supreme Court. The interesting thing is, when they were setting up their account, though, their folks came to talk to me, and I was thrilled 
to talk to them. And it, it's, it's been interesting to watch kind of being early on out there with, with Bridget and Judge Willett, now then Justice Willett, um, watching how it's become more of the new normal. And now courts not only have websites, but social media accounts. So it's really been interesting to see the transformation of it being me being an outlier some of the early you know people judges that were out there us being outliers to now this being something where you're seeing lots of judges and lots of courts um you, you look, you're going to get some some folks especially older judges when i've spoken at seminars they don't get it and they they uh they just think it's it's um they think there's something kind of unseemly about judges being that out there and bridget and i talk about this in this law review article we have coming out um i, I just disagree with that and i'm, I'm i know bridget does as well we, we think uh, once again it's it's all about what the content you're putting out and we think if you're putting out good content that's informing and educating the public um that then then that's a definitely a net positive yeah, I overwhelmingly hear from, um, you know, lawyers and sort of the informed public who care about <laughs> care about the work the court is involved in how grateful they am about um, the, the window I'm offering onto what it is we're doing and why we're doing it. Um, you know, I often say in my tweets when I tweet the link to the court's live stream that it's the public's court um, and they have a right to uh, see what we're doing and, and, and how we're doing it. Um, I, you know, the, I, I, I talk a lot to audiences about how um, our trial courts are really the courts that have the most impact on, on, on more people in our, in our state. You know, in Michigan, just our lowest level courts, the district courts, hear 3 million cases a year. When you think of all the people, therefore, that, that are touched by the work of those courts, it's far more than interact directly with the other branches of government. And yet it's the branch that people know the least about, right? I mean, people just... Um, know a lot more about the political branches in, in large part because the, 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 the folks who work in those branches um, have been using social media for a lot longer than, 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 than judges have or the judiciary has. Um, but, I, but I really believe that, that, that it's our, our courts that are in the business of growing trust in government, just given how often and how many people we touch. So why, so why not um, be as transparent as we can, as open as we can, as accessible as we can to the public about what exactly it is that courts do and why we do it. And so um, I, I have had overwhelmingly positive responses from the public and, and the bar for sure. And, and, and many judges, um, I have to agree with Steve, there are some uh, usually more senior judges who can't fathom it um, and think it must it, it can't it can't quite be right <laughs> it can't quite be appropriate um but i will say most of those you know ha haven't looked and i i always say I'm, i i have a feeling that if they actually read the the tweets that i send or the posts that i post they would um probably come around uh, at least you know i'm sort of an optimist i think everybody could come around well so in closing justice mccormack Judge Tillard, I wonder if you could just briefly reflect again on the value of kind of judges engaging with social media in this particular moment of kind of pandemic, isolation, people feeling scared 
about their circumstances and kind of not understanding what the role of the government is and you know what they should expect in in this moment like sort of do you have any message for other judges who might be thinking about how they can use this moment to think about engaging in kind of the way that the two of you are so i think we have to take um advantage of this very scary very stressful i don't think all of us have even fully um, understood yet what we're dealing with, but we have to, our profession, which is sort of lagged behind others in embracing technology and all it has to offer in lots of ways, not just in social media, that this might be the moment where um, old dogs learn new tricks, uh, probably because we have to. Um, but my hope is that as a result of having to we come through this um, making law better. Um, my, you know, our, we, we, we had the foresight here in Michigan um, a year and a half ago to get Zoom licenses for all of our trial judges. So every single one of them can now do remote hearings in the cases where those can be done. Obviously, you know, lawyers and litigants might not even be able to participate in remote hearings at this point. We, there's a, so much uncertainty. But in the meantime, um, I want to be communicating to the public and to all of the trial judges and to all of the lawyers out there that the courts, um, we can't do takeout justice. The courts will remain open for public safety and emergencies and essential functions. And we have the tools to be able to make sure we are still providing those services. And so I'm grateful that there are, that we have um, some, some good platforms to be able to communicate those messages. I, 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 don't, I couldn't say that any better my, myself, and I'll, I'll just add that I think a lot of what you heard today is the argument that we make in this law review article that's going to be coming out soon, and in that, we, we make the argument for judges engaging the people they serve on social media platforms, and I think, if anything, what we're going through right now is, to me, created even a greater sense of urgency um, in judges getting on board, if not with um, the entirety of, of kind of a social media presence, understanding the need to become or have the court at a minimum become a lot more engaged on social media platforms and different uses of technology because it's not just about um, it's 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 about transparency, it's about accessibility, it's also about and we talk about this in the article, it's about basic competency. I mean, I don't understand how you can be a judge and not have some understanding of how these platforms work when that is the primary way that most people our age and younger are communicating. Um, I just think it's crucial for all the reasons that Bridget said. Um, it's, it's important for judges to and the judiciary to, dis, to be seen as engaging and, and, and reaching out to the people we serve to let them know that, that, that we are still here, that we serve them, and that um, we, we are here to protect the rule of law and their rights and, and to put a human face on that. Awesome. Well, Justice McCormick, Judge Dillard, I really appreciate both of you coming on the show. It was a real pleasure talking to you, and um, I really commend the both of you for the excellent work that you're doing in the judiciary. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having us.
Now, here come the judge. Here come the judge. Here come the judge! 